Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page, and please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with James Mackey about successful talent acquisition in the tech job market. James Mackey, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thanks for having me. Appreciate uh, appreciate the opportunity to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us from Virginia. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. We've been preparing for this recording for a long time, and it's great to finally be able to get together and have this nice conversation. Today, we're going to be talking about successful talent acquisition in the tech job market. Of course, it's really hard, uh, really across the board. It's a tight labor market. It's hard for employers to find good people uh, anyways, regardless of the sector, regardless of the type of job, but particularly in STEM fields, particularly in the tech job market, it's it's a real challenge. And, you know, we're, we're still in the, the, the midst of the great resignation, lots of quiet quitting, uh, lots of these types of things that uh, that organizations are trying to deal with. And so talent acquisition is certainly a, ch- a challenge and we're going to be exploring that together. As we get started, I wanted to share James' bio with everybody. James Mackey is the CEO of Secure Vision. Since 2015, Secure Vision has partnered with over 140 VC-backed tech companies, ranging from growth stage to enterprise clients to recruit talent in every department. James is passionate about building talent acquisition solutions that align with real business outcomes and ending a, a seemingly endless cycle of frustration that most leaders experience with hiring. And I agree, I think most do experience that and it's incredibly frustrating and it's an incredibly difficult situation. Um, with that said, as a little brief introduction, anything else you would like to share with listeners by way of your background or personal context before we dive on into the broader dialogue today? Yeah, for sure. So so my perspective, startup, growth stage, enterprise, um, basically just very simply put, uh, companies borrow recruiters from us. So we have recruiters that specialize in technology openings, recruiters that specialize in revenue, go to market, and recruiters that specialize in GNA. So we pretty much fill every type of position for startup growth stage, enterprise companies across the board. Um, and right now, in terms of quality, we lead two categories on G2. Uh, G2 is the go-to review site for tech. So we are the number one embedded recruitment solution. We're also the number one staffing agency out of step 1700. So you know, we've been doing this stuff for a while. We're pretty good at it. And uh, hopefully I'll be able to provide some unique insights here to to help companies hire more effectively and hire top talent. So looking forward to jumping into it. 
Awesome. So with that said, and again, maybe everyone just recognizes the the need here and the, the challenge, but uh, how competitive is the tech landscape right now when it comes to hiring top talent? Yeah, so so there's a lot of uh, headlines about layoffs in tech, um, but it's important to remember that unemployment in tech is hovering around 2%. So it's about half the national average of the actual unemployment rate, which is also incredibly low. So it's just important to, to not... Uh, really feed too much into the clickbait of what we're seeing out there. Obviously, there's huge economic concerns when it comes to inflation and other foreign policy and these types of things. So I'm not downplaying the seriousness of, of that or the market or whatever it might be. But when it comes to employment, we're still in a very strong labor market. Um, so I think one of the things that we just have to be careful of is this kind of fallacy of, oh, you know, a lot of people are getting laid off in tech. It's going to get a lot easier to hire. Um, yes, there are people that are, are are looking for work now due to layoffs, but the amount of job openings is still incredibly high within tech. Um, so that's just something to keep in mind. And um, I'm not trying to be insensitive, but the reality is that, you know, yeah. top 25% of A players in tech are still employed. So um, I understand there's probably been a lot of good people that have been impacted by layoffs. But but that said, the people that are really driving value creation with these in, within these organizations and leading their functions uh, are still employed. And um, one thing to think about when hiring is hiring good enough isn't good enough, right? Like you don't want to set the bar at, at getting, you know, um, you know, VC players, you really want to make sure that you're getting A players uh, that are 95th percentile at what they do. Because if you can get those A players, it's going to exponentially impact your organization's ability to scale, right? The, the growth is scale and to become the category leader. If you're not, you know, if your company isn't in the game to be a category leader, what are they doing? So the goal is not to survive, it's to thrive. And in order to thrive, you need the best possible people at your company building products and services, period. Yeah. Amen. And to put a fine point on it, again, you were highlighting that there's been lots of layoffs and that can lead people to believe that maybe it's easier right now. Let's remember that a two point uh, a two percent unemployment rate is ridiculously low. Like that's way too low. Yeah. It's it's below replacement rates. Um, that means you're not having um, you're, you're you have open positions. You don't have enough people applying. And when you have people applying, they're usually not the best people. Uh, and so to your point. Right now, it's really hard not only to get any decent qualified applicants, but particularly the really great applicants, the the top talent that's going to help your organization thrive. Um, so let's not delude ourselves in thinking, oh, things are just going to magically be getting better. We have to have strategies in place to help us really find the best people and to hang on to them. Uh, one of the things, oh, go ahead. Well, just real quick. So I just, while, while you were talking, I also just Googled the current tech unemployment rate and it's actually at 1.7% right now. So it's dipped <laughs> below 2%. So thank you, LinkedIn News for for all the doom and gloom, but I'm not buying it. <laughs> right. <laughs> One of the ways that organizations are trying to deal with this is through reskilling and upskilling their, their current workforce and using internal talent acquisition uh, to really fill the gaps. Where do you see internal talent acquisition teams, you know, falling behind or what are they getting wrong as they're trying to fill those important roles? Well, I think I think as you as you mentioned, like leveling up internal teams, making sure that you have a good talent management system in place to evaluate the skill sets that you currently have on your team before you're posting jobs uh, externally is important. And, and the bigger the organization, the more important that becomes, right? Because you you could have people that could be a good fit that you're not even aware have that skill set within the organization. So, you know, posting jobs internally, 
making sure that you have the bandwidth to review those and there's a structure in place um, to to start there first is is important. Um, in terms of you know mistakes that organizations are are making, I would say right now, um, or you know some of them probably cut a little bit too deep into talent acquisition. Uh, I I get it's a supply and demand thing, so. It, if you need to downsize your talent acquisition team, it's it's hard to say that that's a mistake um, if you have a lot less hiring. So I totally understand the the concept of a scale back, but it's one of those things where you, you have to find the right balancing act to keep enough infrastructure in place so you're not totally screwed coming out of the market correction. Because what we saw you know, a couple of years ago when in COVID hit is companies had to make deep cuts, right? Uh, but then everybody was scrambling to hire recruiters at the same time. They couldn't do it. They didn't adjust salaries fast enough. They moved way too slow. They ended up hiring a bunch of contingent partners to try to fill roles. They paid a ton of bloated fees. They got a low quality of hire. Everybody was complaining that, you know, they couldn't hire the best people that they had to hire average, you know, kind of players. And, and that led to some of the deeper cuts that we're seeing now. So lesson learned is, um, okay, you know, do what you got to do to get through this thing. Just don't cut too deep. You know, you, it's, it's easy to look at, you know, a lot of, uh, P and L owners and, and finance leaders look at recruitment as a cost center. And, you know, I get that it's not directly. You know, it may not be considered, you know, as, as a as a sales team would be considered, for instance. But uh, the reality is that people are the primary driver of value. So if you don't have a system in place to recruit top talent, you're really shooting yourself in the foot. And again, that's going to have a direct correlation to your your growth and success as a company. Uh, so I just don't I don't think we should we should be cutting uh, too deep. Right. You need to be ready to to ramp back up. And another thing is that I think sometimes companies forget, like you're going to have backfill hires in any market. So if you're a 500 person company with whatever attrition rate, right, whether it be 10, 20% or whatever it is, a 500 person company, you know, a 10% attrition rate is at least 50 hires, right? So you, you got to backfill those hires and you got to make sure it's with quality, quality people. Now attrition rates can change a little bit in a down market, but uh, you know, if you go through layoffs, well, people are going to start to feel unstable about their jobs. So your attrition is probably going to go up. So, you know, if you can avoid layoffs, your attrition probably is going to be consistent or maybe even a little bit lower during a down market. Because if people feel that it's a stable environment, they're less likely to move. They're going to have a lot of conversations just in case, but they're probably not going to leave you. But if you do a round of cuts, then everybody's going to be thinking to themselves, all right, I got to start having yep. conversations, right? Because I don't, I don't know about stability. So people I are looking people to jump off the sinking ship at that point. Exactly. So like you have to think about the potential increase to your attrition rate if you go through layoffs and make sure that you have the right talent organization in place to make sure you're backfilling those roles with with fresh, you know, new new A players that can come to the organization with a lot of passion about solving the problems and challenges that you have. So just just some things to think about and what I'm seeing right now and, and what I saw during COVID too. I mean, it's it's kind of it's not as bad this time around, but you know, we're still seeing some of the same trends there in terms of mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. And coming back to what you were saying uh, just a minute ago about the internal talent acquisition teams, just to put a fine point on it and to, to really emphasize how important it is to know the skills, the competencies and capabilities of your people and where you currently stand. Organizations are notoriously bad at this. Uh, and so when you're looking internal, you know, perhaps internally to fill an important key role, how often do we 
you know, cut off our nose uh, and, and really fail to leverage existing talent and existing capacities in part because we don't know what talents people have that are already on our teams, uh, but also because we're just not good at the process and we fumble around. And then people who are internal in that kind of situation, if you talk about retention rates and turnover rates, uh, if if someone feels like they're a really great fit for, for a new role, maybe they need a little bit of, of skill development and investment from the organization to, to get up to speed, but otherwise they feel like they're a pretty good person for the role and they get passed over repeatedly uh, for whatever reason, guess what? Those people aren't going to be sticking around either because uh, they want opportunities to grow and develop in their career. And so we just need to be much more thoughtful in our organizations and thinking about the entire talent pipeline, both from an external and an internal perspective. For sure. And, and I think too, like the larger an organization is, the more L&D and onboarding and process and structure they should have. It doesn't mean that they always do, but they're hopefully going to be in a better position to train people up on, on new positions. The one thing that I will say is the smaller the organization you, you have to be careful with that too, because you need experts that can drive outcomes. And sometimes it's worth potentially losing somebody that's on the team existing than, than putting them in a role where they're not going to be able to drive excellent results. So I don't think retention is the number one thing in, in talent, right? I think results are. And I think, you know, we go to companies, they're not families. They shouldn't be, you know, it's, I think it's manipulative when leaders refer to employees as family because they're not. Um, it's, it's a company's, it should be viewed as a high performing team. And just like a basketball team or a baseball team, you have to earn your spot on that team. And that's how we should be running organizations and we should be transparent about that. Um, so, so anyways, like, I do think that there almost is an overemphasis on retention. I think that some of the emphasis that's put on retention should be focused on onboarding. Let's, let's onboard and ramp people faster so they can start contributing to our mission faster. Right. And then also, I think, you know, this is what I actually learned this from Steve Cadigan. He was the first chief HR officer of LinkedIn. And what he always used to say is people always underestimate the passion and curiosity that new people bring to the table. And he said when he was scaling LinkedIn from 300 to 3000 employees, the average tenure was nine months. And they were one of obviously the most successful tech companies uh, of all time. So Again, I'm not saying that we shouldn't try to create incredible opportunities and growth opportunities to move up, but retention isn't the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is, again, what are we here to, what are we doing if we're not going for gold, right? Um, we should be focused on becoming the category leader. We need to have that talent acquisition engine in place so we can backfill roles more effectively. We need to focus on onboarding uh, and training and enablement so people can ramp faster and start adding value. We need to have clear performance metrics in place so people know what success looks like. And yeah, let's try to create great opportunities where people can move up in their career. Uh, but let's not try to hold on to people too long that aren't going to necessarily be the best fit for that championship team to drive the best outcomes, right? It's just something, you know, I yeah. think a balanced perspective is really important on the topic. Yeah, I, I think that's that's really important. And it, it's actually baffling to me. I've seen organizations where for whatever reason, like people fail upwards. And so they they keep the people that are not A players. They end up promoting people uh, who aren't the best. And then they end up losing the people that are actually the best people. Uh, I, I've seen that so many times in so many organizations and it always baffles me. And it just illustrates a complete 
misunderstanding of like what's needed in key roles, I think. Uh, so that's something to also pay close attention to. If you are hanging on to people, if you are keeping people and giving them opportunities for progression, let's make sure it's the right people and that we're not hanging on to dead weight. Yeah, I think I think the issue there is that companies are not very good at putting in performance standards and and following those closely. And there needs to be it starts with culture, right? Like at Secure Vision, our culture is accountability, excellence are the the top two values and culture doesn't really mean thing unless mean things unless it's actually actionable. So we have a list underneath those values of here's all the different things you can do on a day to day to live by this value. Culture should be actions, not just words that you post on a wall or in a Google sheet that's forgotten about. Um, and I think when you have the right type of performance culture, that's also very transparency, transparent. That's another one of our values, right? Um, it's, you know, it's, it's having direct conversations with employees like, Hey, like in order for, for you to have this position, you know, we, we love working with you. I, I love you. It's, it's fun. It's fun working with you, but you know, we gotta, we gotta get, you know, you gotta hit XYZ performance metric. Right. And that's how we make this position sustainable. And you have that conversation a few times. And if they're not able to deliver that, you have to say like, look, you know, as it's pacing now, you're not going to be able to hold your job down here if you continue in this way. Right. And so um, I think that those conversations need to happen because if you don't work out the C players from your organization, the A players will leave. And then you're stuck in this situation, as you were saying, where the C players are getting promoted because they're the only ones left at the company. Because if you're an A player going above and beyond, um, you're not going to, you're going to be pretty pissed off if people that are at playing at a C level are getting the same compensation and opportunities. And you're seeing those promotions around you. Um, and again, I, I just like the analogy to a sports team. Like, can you imagine like, you know, somebody like a LeBron James or like one of the top people in their field, you know, playing on a team with a bunch of C players, they're not going to do that. You got to work those people out um, and obviously provide them with opportunities to improve, enable them. You know, I'm not talking about being, you know, cold blooded or just totally analytical. Like you have to have the human element in there, but I'm just trying to be very clear that you need clear performance standards. There's, there's, you have to, part of leading is understanding you have to lead with high empathy and high standards and, and great leaders know how to do both at the same time. They know how to be empathetic, but maintain clear expectations and high standards. So you have to, to learn how to do those two things at once. Right. Yeah. Creating a culture and an environment of mutual accountability and trust is how I like to think about it. That means you have high standards, high expectations. You support your people in achieving those high expectations and, and fulfilling those standards. Uh, but you also don't compromise on those standards and you just hold each other mutually accountable. Through doing that, you develop better, meaningful relationships and trusting relationships, more supportive relationships. The two can and should go hand in hand. And it's not like two sides of a coin. It's not, you know, we don't want to think about this from a false dichotomy kind of standpoint. They really should be re mutually reinforcing uh, to each other. Um, you, you talked down. a little, yeah, you talked a little bit about what you do at Secure Vision. I'm wondering if you can describe a little bit more, you know, what's an RPO style staffing and recruiting agency and what makes it different than other approaches? Yeah, for sure. So, so RPO is just a fancy way of saying companies borrow recruiters from us. You know, recruitment process outsourcing. What the hell does that really mean? Nobody knows what it means. I don't know why the industry is called that. It's silly. 
Um, but really, yeah, again, it's, it's companies borrow recruiters from us. So the way it works is if a tech company needs engineers or salespeople or whatever it might be, uh, and their internal talent acquisition team is, you know, a certain amount of people, they don't have the bandwidth to take on roles in a hiring surge. They might decide, well, we don't want to, we're not going to open up additional headcount for our internal team because we don't think we can sustain that headcount. Uh, but we don't want to work with contingent firms because we don't want to pay 30 grand or more for a hire to get, uh, you know, a crappy uh, experience uh, from a from a vendor that, you know, their recruiters working with 10 other customers at the same time. So they can essentially borrow our recruiters who act as internal employees, but who aren't. And they can scale us up or down on demand. So that's the value add of RPO is you get the value of an internal recruiter that really starts to understand your business and how to sell it to candidates, right? But you get the flexibility of being able to scale us up or down quickly. And so that's why this model RPO uh, or borrow recruiter is has double digit growths year over year on a macro level globally. Uh, but why companies like Secure Vision that are a little bit more niche focused on tech are growing in triple digits year over year uh, and getting pretty pretty cool valuations too because it's recurring revenue. Um, so that's the value. The other, you know, the other big thing too is like on the contingent side, you know, the fees are like again like 30 grand. Your average cost per hire through an RPO is like five grand. If you have, you know, let's say a recruiter at you know X amount per month, if they're doing several hires, you know, you're looking at a much lower cost per hire. So you're getting much better quality, lower cost per hire. Um, and that's why that model is growing. So part of our mission, we have two missions, but they're intertwined, um, is we're going to become the category leader in tech. We're, we're arguably already the har- highest quality. And my goal is in the next two years for us to be the biggest in tech. Um, and, and part of that mission is we want to educate the tech industry that this is the best model for recruitment on the agency side. So we want the the tech industry to, for, to uh, adapt this as the uh, preferred model for agency recruiting. And right now it's still on the contingent side, but that's not because people love contingent. It's just because they don't know about the borrower recruiter model. So a lot of the times when we're talking with executives, we say like, you know, they're like, oh, we've only done contingent. I'm like, well, why don't you just borrow some folks from us and and do it that way? And they're like, oh my God, I never heard of that. That sounds so cool, right? So it's it's one of those things where it's just an education thing and we're, it's starting to become a little bit more common, but you know, I think over the next com- couple of years, uh, a lot more companies and executives are going to be familiar with it. Yeah, it really is cool. And it, it, it's like a no brainer. You know, once you kind of get outside of yourself and look at it from a, with a fresh lens, you're like, oh, of course, why wouldn't we do this? <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, wonderful, wonderful. You're doing great things there. Well, James, this has just been a great, fascinating conversation. I know at the time I'm going to have to let you go here in just a few minutes. Before we wrap things up for today, I wanted to give you a chance to share with my audience how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, your team, and then give us the final word on the topic for today. Yeah, for sure. So you can find me at James Mackey on uh, LinkedIn, uh, James Mackey Secure Vision. Um, and uh, if you, you know, I, I post a lot of content about recruiting, uh, scaling companies, uh, you can also follow my podcasts. Uh, one is Town Acquisition Trends and Strategy. You can find that on LinkedIn as well. And I have another podcast called Scale by Design, where we host venture capital leaders to discuss fundraising strategies along with um, you know, everything from, from recruiting to scaling companies. So you can find us there. And my company, Secure Vision, you can find us on our website at securevision.io.com. Or excuse me, not .com anymore. It was .com. Securevision.io, excuse me. And uh, final word of the day, um, 
I'm not really sure. I hope I was able to add value uh, in the, in the conversation. But um, if you have any follow up questions, just shoot me a, a direct message on LinkedIn. I'm happy to help. Thank you. Wonderful, James. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what James and his team can do for you. I love this model. I love your approach. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page. And please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.